The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'll be your host today. I'm a spiritual journeyman and a media producer type guy. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com, and I'm at the Center for Spiritual Living Greater Baltimore at cslgreaterbaltimore.org. Joining me today as my fabulous co-host is spiritual rebel Sarah Bowen. Sarah's the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing today? I'm good, Jim. I'm sitting here practicing listening. That's something I, I'm learning too. You know, you, you realize sometimes that you have to you have to take time to do these things that you're learning, you know? You can't just read and hear about it. You actually have to do it. I, you know, I'm not a great listener. And, and one of my, and I hate to admit that on, on radio here, uh, but one of my mentors once said, you know, there are some people who figure out what they want to say, and then they say it. And then there are other people who figure out what they want to say by saying it while they're saying it. And, you know, I'm a, I'm an external verbalizer. So I figure out what I'm going to say, you know, as it's rolling off my, off my tongue. So this idea of kind of slowing down and listening is something that is a stretch for me, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it too. Now I have some questions about you as a writer. When did you know that you were a writer and what made you actually do it? You know, what's funny. I remember in third grade, we had a little cubby in the back of the room in school that had like the shag carpet and had the bookshelf. And if you got your homework done early or whatever we were working on in class, you could go back there into the reading nook. And I, you know, so I would finish my homework as fast as possible so I could get back there and read. And I remember, I really remember vividly having a moment saying, someday I want to write a book. Hmm. It took, you know, 30 30 years to realize that, that, you know, I got, um, I get distracted along the way. Mm-hmm. And, and I also ended up writing, uh, you know, writing for other people, writing for money, writing for marketing, writing for, for, you know, writing manuals, right, right. how to do different processes. So I was writing, but I wasn't writing for myself. And I think, I think they're different things. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely agree. Uh, you know, I've done writing, but I've never actually put something full together that I consider, you know, officially real writing. <laughs> I well, know, but you know what? We should question that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Question, question what the real writing is, because I, I feel like I really think there's a book in you, Jim. 
Well, you know, I was I was a writing counselor in college, and I wrote some very well-received short stories when I was around that age. When I was in high school, I wrote a paper that was considered so good that they didn't think a high school student could have written it. So I actually had to bring my parents in and prove that I prove that I actually wrote the paper. I don't think my teacher ever believed he believed that I did it. But you know what? I'm going to have to contact uh, psychic Vincent jenna to see if he can maybe reach her beyond the veil to see if she actually believes it or not at this point isn't that interesting that you were encouraged in your writing by being uh, labeled a plagiarist i know <laughs> that is interesting <laughs> yeah well i i do find you know i'm since since i published a couple books now i have a lot of young authors who are coming to me and say can you read my book or can you blurb my book or you know tell me about what it's like to write a book and so that's kind of a beautiful space of being able to pass on what I've learned, you know, the joys and then the like pull your hair out moments too. But I find there are so many people who have a book in them and the barrier to, uh, to publishing now is, you know, is lower than it's ever been before. So any of the listeners out there who, who want to write, write. And one of, the, one of the reasons we're talking about writing today is that we're really excited to have Julia Cameron on today because she's as most people know she's she's like a, a guru she's a creativity guru guru and a writing guru so i'm really excited for that too i have to confess that when the book first arrived i gave it to my husband to read because my husband's a painter and i always associated julia's work with artists and i as a writer i consider myself something different than an artist so i said take a look at the book and tell me what you want to know from julia and after about 15 minutes he handed it back to me and he said uh, no, this is for you. <laughs> and he was so right. But yeah. I had had a preconceived notion that, you know, how we define ourselves as to whether we're an artiste or not is another really interesting area of inquiry. So so anyone who's wondering uh, about that in, in relation to this book, it's it's got all sorts of juicy stuff about writing and different spiritual practices. And we'll get into that when we do the interview. But I really enjoyed the book. Yeah, me too. Me too. And and uh, her processes, 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 I don't know how to say that, um, you know, uh, for for the writing techniques and for opening up to your, your abilities um, are really, really helpful and interesting, I, I've found and I need to, you know, since reading the book, I've, I've started implementing some of those into my life again. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, she has a six week kind of, I love things that are like laid out for me. Like I love binders yes. and Excel charts with my creativity. Right. But I want it laid out with a process. Did you have so, a trapper keeper? Oh, I did. Oh, I had, <laughs> so did I. <laughs> but you know, we were poor. I was pretty, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. I had a preacher and a teacher. I had amazing parents mm -hmm. um, that didn't have super high salaries. They were busy giving to the world. And so I remember like I, I wanting like the $16 trapper keeper or whatever and getting kind of the knockoff $3 one that didn't have all the bells and whistles. I Do you hear there's like a wound there? I do. I do. <laughs> I'm going to go out after this today to Staples Gym. I'm going to get me a trapper You should keeper. do it. You should do it. All right. Are you ready for some dueling inspirational quotes? Yes. I admit I stole mine from Julia's book. It has a lot of really great creativity quotes. So I just lifted one right out of there. You want to hear it? Oh, I do. Most people are perfectly afraid of silence. You see how I let the silence uh, I saw that. breathe I saw there? That. <laughs> you did. 
which is which is hard on a podcast, right? It is. We, yeah, because we, we're always trying to fill all the space. That's E.E. E. Cummings. I remember a time in my life when uh, I could not handle silence. The mm-hmm. radio had to be on, the TV had to be on, and the car, noise, 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 noise. Yes. And so I really appreciate, I'm not sure why we're afraid mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we're afraid of our own thoughts. I think so. Yeah. What'd you yeah. come up with? Well, here, I, here's uh, here's my I have I have three that I've I've had to choose. I'm gonna three. choose. I, I'm not gonna do them all. I I just have to choose one of the three. So here I, here it goes, and it's about writing. Find a subject you care about, and what you and your heart feel others should care about. It is this genuine caring, not your games with language, which will be the most compelling and seduct- seductive element in your style. Ooh, not your games with language. Who is this? It's actually Stephen King. Oh, is that right? It is. He has a, a, a really fantastic book on writing. You know, I've seen that, but I have never read it. So I think that'll tee it up on my um, big pile of things to read right now. I would like to, I'd like to read what he says about that. Yeah, it's, it's a very good book. It's a very good book. Which is interesting because he was formative for a lot of us growing up in the 70s and 80s, right? Because those were the paperbacks we were reading were, were Stephen King or yes. making it on the movie screen. And he's probably why I still sleep with a knife under my pillow when my husband's gone. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm amused that he keeps retiring. You know, he keeps saying, I'm, I'm done. I'm not doing anymore. And then he comes out with another book. I, I actually find that encouraging. Yeah, because you can t- take the pressure off yourself a little bit, I suppose, by saying, ah, that's it, I'm done. You know, my dad is 91 years old, and he just published another article in a major engineering magazine. Wow, go Jim's dad. Isn't that cool? That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm real proud of him, real excited about him. And we know that from, from science now, well, from science, as if that's... <laughs> As if there's an office called science, but I do read a lot of research that says the more we can keep our brains going and curious and engaged, that that's how we have great longevity and, and good life in our, our later years. So I guess your dad's proof of that. He is. He, he really is. All right. Are you ready to jump into the episode? I am. Let's do it. Here's Martha Creek with a Unity Moment. Today's lesson is inspired by the teachings of Eckhart Tolle, a new earth and creating and living a life of purpose, wanting, the hell of wanting. (laughs) So no matter what you have, no matter what you get, you're not going to be happy, at least for long. You can notice this, that wanting is insatiable. The second you get what you thought you want, there's something wrong with it already, or there's a new version or a new upgrade or a, um, a new, some new attentions coming to you from somebody. So then we want a relationship and we get one. Then we think, oh my gosh, I wish I was single. Then we're single. It's like, oh my God, I just want a relationship. So whatever that is for you, you can notice this in children. The second they get what they want, they want, they want, and you sell a kidney nearly to give them what they want. And then they're over it. They don't, by the time you get it to them, they don't even want it anymore, or they've already got another list of a hundred things they want. 
So the same is true for us. No matter what we have or what we get, we're not going to be happy. We will always and are always looking for something else. Something else that promises to be greater. It promises that if we have this one more thing, we're going to be fulfilled. It promises, promises, promises. And then that promises, these promises, which are insatiable also, are to deliver us to a complete sense of ourself. And that if we have this one more thing, albeit money, a relationship, new clothes, new car, new house, new change of scenery, a child, whatever, that that deliverance of that to the egoic mind is that that is going to complete us, that it's going to give us a complete sense of self, and that that then this feeling, this hole in us, this lack in us is going to be closed, it's going to be complete, and it's absolutely, absolutely impossible, insurmountable, and you know this to be true through your own living, so don't believe what I say ever, but particularly about this, to begin to look to see then that this insatiable wanting is causing suffering in me. And then where's the hope in it is to accept the insatiability of it, the insurmountable nature of it, and to cease dependency on having a complete sense of self in getting. So my complete sense of self and my realization of self, self-realization is all that's ever going to satisfy. All that's ever going to satisfy is an inner self-realization. So any external focus is hopeless, insatiable, insurmountable. So an internal focus, an inner self-realization holds all the power. Test it. Test it for yourself to see. All love and grace. Blessings for you, friends. MarthaCreek.com to contact me. And now it's time for our interview. Hailed by the New York Times as the Queen of Change, Julia Cameron is credited with starting a movement in 1992 that has brought creativity into the mainstream conversation in the arts, in business, and in everyday life. She's the best-selling author of more than 40 books, fiction and nonfiction, a poet, songwriter, filmmaker, and playwright, commonly referred to as the godmother or high priestess of creativity. I certainly believe that. Her tools are based in practice, not theory, and she considers herself the floor sample of her own toolkit. The Artist's Way has been translated into 40 languages and sold over 5 million copies to date. Her new book is The Listening Path, The Creative Art of Attention. You can find her at juliacamerononlive.com. Hi, Julia. Welcome to Big Universe. Welcome, Jim. It's good to be here. It's so awesome to have you on. Now, um, I told Sarah earlier, we're going to have to listen carefully because, you know, your book is The Listening Path. And if we, you know, if we mess that up, that's that's not good for us. Well, I think we'll do fine. 
I think we will. I think we will. Well, I'm a big fan of your work. I I especially love your books on prayers and declarations. I, you know, I frequently uh, referred to them. I've even talked about them on the show as well. So I'm I'm very pleased. And I love the new book too. Before we get into the new book, I think we have to talk really briefly on some of the key tools of your creative practice, because I know these are are fundamental to a lot of what you do. And and what I'm talking about are morning pages, the artist date and walking. Um, Can we talk a little bit about that? And and what, you know, for instance, what are the morning pages? So to begin with, with morning pages, they are three pages of longhand morning writing that you do first thing upon awakening. They catch you when you are vulnerable uh, and before you have your defenses up, according to the Jungians. We have 45 minutes, and I want you to use those 45 minutes to write down what I would call cloud thoughts, uh, thoughts that just come cruising through your consciousness about anything and everything. Uh, For example, I forgot to call my sister. Mm Mm-hmm. The car has a funny knock in it. (laughs) I didn't buy kitty litter. So they range from the profound to the petty. And it's as if you have taken a little whisk broom uh, and stuck it into the corners of your life and whisked all the debris into the center of the room where you can look at it and do something about it. Uh, Morning pages train you to take risks uh, I, I think it usually works like this. They say, why don't you try writing a musical about Merlin? Uh, and I think, I can't do that. Yeah. And then a week later, they say, about that musical about Merlin. And we say, <laughs> I don't think I can do that. And then a third time, they bring it up and you finally say, oh, all right, I'll try. Uh, And it's that expression, oh, all right, I'll try, uh, which moves us to expansion. So morning pages are a good form of meditation, uh, but unlike conventional meditation, where you take something, an issue into meditation, and after 20 minutes, uh, you say, I don't think I need to do anything about that. I've meditated it away. With morning pages, after about 20 minutes, you think, oh, I got well better do something about that. (laughs) (laughs) And they move you into action. So that's morning pages. uh, And um, they're longhand. uh, And it's pen to paper, right? It's pen to paper, not not on your computer. Yes. What I found uh, is that if you do pen to paper, you actually get a handmade life. Mm. Uh, If you do the computer, Mm -hmm. uh, you go faster, uh, but not as deep. Mm. So uh, you want to avoid the computer if you possibly can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so they're not to be shown to anybody. Okay. Uh, They're strictly for yourself alone. Uh, And... uh, they often surprise you and people will say to me, Julia, I fell in love. Hmm. And I'll say, oh, really? And they'll say, with myself. Hmm. 
So morning pages are a very potent tool uh, and they work uh, like a radio kit where you're sending to the universe, this is what I like, this is what I don't like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is what I want more of, this is what I want less of. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when you take an artist state, which is the second primary tool, you go out once a week and you do something festive, something frivolous, something playful. Uh, and during the pandemic, when we can't go out of our houses, we have to use our imaginations uh, and say, well, maybe I could take a bubble bath. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> this is my favorite step. That's a good one. I haven't tried that yet, Julia. Bubble bath tonight. <laughs> Bubble bath, artist date, painting our toenails scarlet, uh, listening to some music we don't ordinarily listen to, listening to a podcast that's not an unusual cup of tea. Uh, it should be something that an inner eight-year-old could enjoy. Oh, I like that. An inner eight-year-old. That sounds fun. I like fun. that too, right? That has a joy piece to it and a delight piece. Exactly. You don't want to become too serious. Uh, so what happens when you write uh, morning pages is that you're sending. Uh, and then when you do an artist state, you flick the dial over to receive. Mm -hmm. uh, and you get hunches, intuitions, insights. Uh, and um, using the two tools together uh, is very powerful. The third tool which I didn't know when I wrote The Artist's Way, uh, is walking. And I recommend going maybe twice a week for about 20 minutes at a crack. Uh, and I want you to focus on your environment. So it's a good idea to not take your dog because <laughs> if you take your dog you'll find yourself taking your dog's walk. Yes. Dog, so true. We'll be saying, oh, look at that beautiful Rottweiler. Right. Squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> squirrel. Yes. So what you want to do uh, is say to your pet, I love you and I will be back. Mm -hmm. And um, you walk out uh, and what happens is that it integrates the tools, uh, the other two tools. Mm -hmm. so, so when I wrote uh, The Listening Path, I started out with these three tools, uh, even though they're very familiar to people who have worked the artist's way. Uh, and I had somebody review me recently who said, Julia's tools are simple and repetitive. And I thought, I think that's supposed to be an insult. <laughs> but I actually think tools should be simple. Mm -hmm. So that they fall into a regular pattern for you. Right. So I was actually pleased by the snipe. Well, I love the morning pages. I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I stopped them for a while, but I do find when I pick it up again, you know, and I have picked it up recently, it really, it clears my mind for the day. It really does. It gets a lot of that junk out of the way. And, 
you know, I do a little meditation and I do some other morning activities, but I love, I love the morning pages because it's a place where you can just let yourself roam in a sense. So that's, it's a really powerful tool. Yes. And I, I have a friend that I taught with 20 years ago uh, and he called me up recently and he was in trouble. Uh, and I said to him, are you still doing morning pages? Uh, and he said, no, do you think I should? Uh, and I, <laughs> I said, well, if you did morning pages, you might not be getting into trouble. Early warning system. Yeah, yeah. So is, is everybody creative? Do you think everybody has a creative impulse in them? I think everybody's creative. You know, I've been teaching, I'm 72 now. I've been teaching since I was about 30. Uh, and I have yet to meet a genuinely non-creative person. I think we all have an inner spark uh, and that when we use the tools, the spark fans into a flame uh, and it becomes something we can rely upon. But I think many people think, oh, I'm not creative or they have a, a mythology around creativity that says only a few people are creative. Uh, and I think that's nonsense. I, I often, I was telling Sarah earlier that, um, you know, I, I know that I'm a writer in a sense because I have, I've written some good stuff in the past, but I block myself. And I think the morning pages are opening me up a little bit more to realizing that I can let the junk go and not have so much perfectionism about what comes out. So I appreciate that. Well, I think you're exactly accurate. I think that when I teach, I teach a tool about perfectionism. Uh, number one, if I didn't have to do it perfectly, I'd try. And we go on through to 10. Uh, and what happens is people begin to see that their perfectionism is blocking them from a lot of joy. Uh, because we feel we have to do things perfectly. Uh, and I think one of the things that happens with morning pages is that it miniaturizes our critic. I have an inner critic. He's been with me since I was 18. His name is Nigel. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel is a British interior decorator. Uh, and he has very high standards. Uh, and he's always saying to me, oh, Julia, you've said this before, or Julia, you're boring. Uh, and I say, Nigel, thank you for sharing. And I keep right on writing. And when you do morning pages, you'll, you'll introduce yourself to your inner Nigel. Uh, and I think it's a good idea to name it. Uh, and make it a cartoon character. Because if it's a cartoon character, we don't have to take it so seriously. It isn't the voice of doom. Right, right. Well, we'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. We're back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We're talking with Julia Cameron. So, Julia, I'm loving your new book, The Listening Path. Um, I find it really, really helpful. Why is listening so important? Well, I think we live in a noisy world. Uh, and we are bombarded on all sides, uh, internet, social media, television, radio, excuse me. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but we are bombarded on all sides with stimuli. Mm -hmm, true. What we often say is, I can't hear myself think. Mm -hmm. uh, and so listening... Uh, suggests uh, that you tune in to what you've been tuning out. Uh, you listen to your environment uh, and you say, oh, maybe I could change that. You're driving to work on a crowded street and there's lots of honking uh, and you find yourself thinking, I could take a different route uh, and maybe there wouldn't be so many horns. So uh, what I find is that the first step on the listening path is listening to your environment, to the sounds that you are in the habit of tuning out uh, and keeping a log for yourself that says, this alarm clock is unpleasant. Uh, and then making changes where you can. The second tool, which I think is pivotal uh, is listening to others. Uh, and what I find is that many times in conversations, we interrupt. We think we know what our partner is going to say, so we say it for them. Uh, and what I have found is that if we don't interrupt, if we listen with attention, our partners often say surprising things. And we find ourselves thinking, oh, I never thought of that. So the second tool is a tool of conversation where we move from monologue to dialogue, where we move from my turn all the time when I'm not learning anything, I'm telling you what I already know, uh, to your turn, my turn, where I'm learning from what you have to say. The third tool is listening to our higher self. Uh, and this is a tool that comes into play when we do the three tools, morning pages, artist states, and walks. We tune in uh, to our own inner wisdom. Uh, and a lot of times we find uh, that we're not in the habit of thinking of ourselves as wise. We have a problem, we have an issue, and we think, who can I ask about that? Oh, that's we, so true. That's so take, true, Julia. <laughs> take a poll of our friends. Yeah. And what we don't realize is that maybe we have the wisdom we're seeking. So we, I say, take a pen to paper and write, can I hear about X? And list the issue, 
then listen uh, and write down what you hear. I love that you call it uh, your Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think that's so much fun. And you've got uh, some nerds here on the podcast um, with, uh, you know, Star Wars nerds. So, you know, that's that's always welcome to my ears. But I like that you call uh, that still small voice your Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. I want people to take it seriously, but lightly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was why I was so excited about coming on this radio show, because when you talked about your, yourself, you said, oh, P.S., I have a sense of humor. <laughs> we try. <laughs> <laughs> we do. And I, I really think, Julia, that's such an important point, especially over the last year for a lot of us that, you know, to remain lighthearted and to be able to have some joy and some laughter and and. Do you find when people are doing um, the the morning pages, if if you find that you're not having that, if you find that that it's very heavy hearted or that uh, that there's a lot that's coming up that feels hard to hold, do you have suggestions for that? This is why we have the artist state. It's the anecdote for seriousness. Mm. So as we are playful. Uh, we begin to lighten up and we begin to see the world as a, a benevolent place, not as a hostile or threatening place. So I had a, the next tool uh, is listening beyond the veil. Hmm. And I was afraid when I first taught this book mm-hmm. that people would go, oh, Julia, you're too woo-woo. We're woo-woo. We like woo-woo. <laughs> we are woo-woo. We like woo-woo. Nothing wrong with woo-woo. <laughs> and I have a girlfriend who's a Jungian analyst, and she says, Julia, woo-woo is where it's at. Yes. So what I have found when I teach Listening Beyond the Veil is that people are just waiting for someone to give them permission to listen beyond the veil. Hmm. So what hmm. they do... Uh, is they contact a beloved who has passed on and say, can I hear, in my case, Jane Cecil, can I hear from Jane? Uh, And then I write down what I hear. uh, And often what I hear is very simple, sweet, and direct. Hmm. Julia, I'm right by your side. There's no need for anxiety. Hmm. There's no error in your path. You are led carefully and well. So what I found was that people found it easy to make contact. And then they said, but I'm worried it's just my imagination. Because it's so easy to make contact. Uh, And what I say to them is, if it is your imagination... What a wonderful gift your imagination is waiting to give you. Yes, yes. So the tool after that is a tool for listening to heroes. Uh, and if, if when listening beyond the veil, we reach to people we know and loved, who loved us. When we listen to our heroes, we're reaching to people we don't know, but mm-hmm. we admire. 
Uh, and I had a girl say to me, Julia, I reached to my hero, Einstein, and the next day I was smarter. I need to, I need to reach <laughs> for people like that. I, I need to open myself up to that. What happens when you open yourself up to your heroes is that you get guidance about attributes that you may not know you have. Hmm. So she was already smart and she became smarter. Hmm. Uh, listening to heroes gives us advice. And it's, again, one more time, it's simple. Mm -hmm. It's sweet. It's good natured. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes we worry that we're bothering our heroes. You know, they're perfectly happy in the afterlife. And then here we come. Here comes this call in saying, come on. Excuse me, <laughs> could you help me, please? Right. Uh, but what I have found is that they're all too willing to help us. Hmm. They're eager. So is this on paper? Uh, how do you listen to your heroes, for instance? Again, it's taking pen to the page. Okay. So you write... Can I hear from Bill Wilson, who's one of my heroes? Mm -hmm. uh, he was a mm, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, and he, um, he had the nerve to start a movement mm -hmm. and to believe <laughs> that the steps that had worked for him might work for others. So I contact him and he says, sweetheart. And I think, oh, he's calling me sweetheart. <laughs> Your sobriety is intact. Again, it's very calming. And I also write to Carl Jung, uh, and he's more formal. He's Miss Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I didn't imagine him being more for, uh, formal. That's interesting. Certainly more formal than Bill Wilson. Well, I suppose. <laughs> so interesting so the final tool of the listening path is listening to silence uh, and i think many of us are freaked out uh, by silence uh, we we are afraid to listen for fear of what we might hear uh, and i think it's easier to call it listening to silence than it is to say, now you're going to meditate. Hmm, yeah, yeah. It's friendlier, it's sweeter. Uh, we just listen for a couple of minutes. Uh, and I had a friend named Jerry who said to me, Julia, I'm terrified of silence. Hmm. And he said, I have my radio, my television, I, I have my devices when I walk, mm -hmm. and um, you're asking me to turn them all off? And I said, yes, for about two minutes. And he said, well, I'm scared. And I said, well, take two minutes, turn everything off, listen for two minutes, and then call me back. Mm-hmm. So 
two minutes later, my phone rang and it was Jerry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he said, I, I got an idea of what I might do to organize my week. And I said, well, that sounds like insight. That sounds like guidance. You think you'd be willing to try meditating again, listening to, to silence? And he said, well, yes, I guess so. <laughs> I do worry about, you know, like my son, I love him so much, but he is always listening or watching something. And I'm trying to show him, help him get off the devices to some extent um, so that he can listen to himself more because he's a, he's actually a good writer um so you know i i guess i'm i'm curious what advice you would give to to a younger person that uh you know that is looking to to move beyond i mean how how do you incorporate listening into a life like that how do you teach that i teach the three basic tools yeah so even for even for his age you would teach those three basic tools Sure. How old is he? He's 14. That's old enough. Tell him the morning pages are his secret. Ah, okay. Yeah. They love having something that's secret. Yes. <laughs> when you talk about our soundtrack, listening to our environment, um, you mentioned listening to the, to what we tune out in uh, in the world around us. You started talking about, I get a log of your of your soundtrack. Can you talk into a, a little bit more about that? Is it something you physically do? You actually write down a list of what you're hearing through the day. Yes, the the tools of the listening path are tools of pen and paper. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when you write down alarm clock and then you write next to it pleasant or unpleasant hmm. microwave pleasant or unpleasant hmm. driving to work pleasant or unpleasant hmm. uh, and you keep a log of the sounds what what i have found is that we have a tendency to try and tune out unpleasant sounds we we tell ourselves, oh, it's no big deal. Uh, and what I found is that it's valuable to tune in and actually hear an unpleasant sound uh, and give yourself a chance to change it. Hmm, change it how? What do you mean? Well, uh, for example, with driving to work, change your route. Hmm. It goes a little slower, but it isn't annoying. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Or test alarm clocks and find one that isn't blaring. Interesting. Interesting. When you talk to other people, you you mention listening that it's helpful to listen to our believing mirrors as we, as we get motivated. What do you, what do you mean by believing mirrors? Okay. A believing mirror is someone who reflects back to you, your strength and your possibility. 
uh, and they are positive uh, and they are affirmative. Uh, and you have to shop a little bit among your friends to say, who has my doubts and who has my beliefs? And what you're looking for are people who share your beliefs. You're looking for people who can be positive. Uh, and believing mirrors, I have a believing mirror, Gerard Hackett. Uh, Gerard has been a friend of mine for 52 years. Uh, and when I say to Gerard, I think I'm gonna try and write a play, he doesn't say, oh dear, what are the odds of ever getting it produced? He says, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm very interested. I've often found that my, I, I stop myself from doing those interesting things sometimes, you know, and I think, um, I think this is helpful to me to listen to that a little bit better to kind of say, I always feel like I have to have a, an end purpose, you know, that there has to be a, an outcome that I expect or that I want. And so I think it's, it's about that path. It's about journeying on that path rather than an outcome. And I think, Jim, you need more of, you need more artist dates. You're right. You're right. I do. I think I, I Julia, I have to tell you, I was so joyful to hear um, kind of words to put around that process of going out to do something that's unexpected or exciting or uh, that little eight-year-old or something. I really do think, Jim, that we've got to, we've got to encourage you to have more moments of, um, of glee and joy and, and unscripted life, perhaps. You're right. You're right. I need to work on that. That's definitely something I need to work on. Well, I think we have an expression, the play of ideas. Uh, and we don't realize that it's actually a prescription play mm -hmm. and you will have ideas. Hmm. You so talked. Oh, I'm sorry, Julia. You, you talked about something in the book where about the need to release things that we're holding on to so that we can have those ideas that come forward. And I remember one sentence stood out to me particularly where you said Steven Spielberg used to drive. Yes. And the idea that when he would drive that the ideas would, would shake loose. What is that role of the, the, the morning pages and then the giving them time to, to stew, I guess? Well, I think what we're talking about uh, is wanting something that's lighthearted. Einstein was a great showerer. <laughs> <laughs> that's a wonderful skill to have, I think. He said he got his ideas in the shower. And um, I think uh, that what we're talking about is we want to do something regular and repetitive. Hmm. And uh, hopefully playful. Uh, Steven Spielberg merging to the left across four lanes of traffic. Uh, and um, what happens when we do an artist state is that we fill our inner well. When we make a piece of art, uh, we draw from an inner well. We hook images, we hook ideas, we hook insights. Uh, and sometimes people will say to me, Julia, I was doing so well. And 
then it dried up. Hmm. Uh, and I will say to them, well, you need to take more artist dates. <laughs> it dried up because you had overfished your well. I love the series of questions that you suggest we pose when we face a troubling situation um, in, in talking to our, our higher selves or to ourselves. Um, what do I need to know? What do I need to accept? What do I need to try? What do I need to grieve? And what do I need to celebrate? Those are really awesome. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that. Well, I found that they were great centering questions. Uh, that when I would have an issue uh, and I would uh, ask these questions, I would come to a greater truth for myself of just, quote, what I was up against. Uh, and um, I, I had uh, a thing happen which I probably should talk about. Um, I, I have been divorced from my first husband for 40 years. Uh, and I found myself feeling love for him despite a bad divorce. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I went to the page with it and said, what should I do about still loving him? And I listened and I heard, just love him. And hmm. I said, but I think I'm a hopeless codependent. It's four decades. I, I still love him. Mm -hmm. Help. Yeah. Uh, and the answer was, love is eternal. Hmm. Hmm. And what I found was that when I had that answer, and ask the questions, what do I need to accept that I love him? What do I need to grieve that the marriage ended so badly? What do I need to celebrate that we've both gone on to do well? Uh, what do I need to try relaxing? Mm -hmm. So can you see how the questions filled out the, um, the skeleton of the idea? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So it, it feels like we're really having communication problems right now, especially. And so I, in terms of our society as a whole. And so I think these tools, you know, actually actively listening and, and following these tools can help us with that. I also have a, I have a, 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 a question for you. What's the number one question or problem that, that people approach you with when, when you're dealing with all this? They say, Julia, do you still do morning pages? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I, I resist them. And I say, well, you need to resist your resistance. Mm -hmm. So I get up in the morning and I write, I'm grumpy. Yeah, that's very helpful. Are there any final things you'd like to say to our listeners to kind of encourage them right now? Well, I want to say that both the artist's way and the listening path 
are spiritual paths. Mm -hmm. Yes. That what happens when you work the tools uh, is that you have what some people would call a spiritual awakening. As you work on your creativity, your spirituality comes roaring forward. Mm. As you work on your spirituality, your creativity comes roaring forward. They're, they're intertwined. So I think it's important. I had a friend tell me, Julia, I've been doing, I'm an atheist. And I said, oh, really? I'm a believer. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And we just sort of stared at each other a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> then he said, I've been writing morning pages for 22 years, and I've written 13 feature films. Oh, my gosh. And I said, well, you don't believe in God, but clearly God believes in you. <laughs> I love that. So I think it's important to say, that it doesn't matter what you call it. If you call it the higher power, the force, the universe, the spirit of the universe, God, the name doesn't matter. What matters is the experience and the experience comes to you through the tools. Wonderful. Well, Julia, it's been such a pleasure to have you on Big Universe. Thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. Julia Cameron's new book is The Listening Path, The Creative Art of Attention. You can find her at juliacamerononlive.com. And of course, you always know that she's the author of The Artist's Way and so many other great books. For more great information about Sarah Bowen, go to www.spiritual-rebel.com. I've got premium video courses and I help to create them on my website called youthrivehere.com. Thanks, everybody. I'm Jim Lefter. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I have within me greater power than I have used, more life than I have lived, more strength than I've known. I have within me greater talent to express, more courage I can muster. More faith. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>